the chicken coop that you were building during quarantine. Talk about that. What is that? And is the project done? Well, me and my buddy, we got, you know how like everybody and their dad went to Lowe's or Home Depot and they started getting like stuff to just build random things. Me and my buddy had some uh, scrap wood laying around. We just started building little benches and stuff. And then we were like, huh, let's build a tree house. Then I was like, huh, let's build a tree house with studio inside of it. Next to the chicken coop that we originally had for the chickens. And we call it the chicken coop because it's where the chickens used to be roam, like free roaming chickens and stuff. But me and my buddy and my dad and uh, my few of my cousins and stuff, we we piled uh, pole drive some holes about three and a half foot deep, four foot deep in the ground. And we, we picked up pollens and put them in the holes, cemented them. We got 15 of them. It's done. It's ready. Uh, I got some Philip Hue lights in there. It's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. So is it an actual studio then? It's an actual studio. It's, it's not a full scale, all out, like huge studio or nothing, but it, it's perfect for that, for what I need to do in it. You know? So with the way that your record deal is, are you allowed if you have a song to just go in there and demo it and put it out on social media if you want? Uh, I think I might be able to just maybe make a demo of a song and uh, put a snippet of it online and see what it does. But I don't know if I, I could just like just go release it on like Apple and all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause that's the way it's kind of going, right. Is basically demo a song, put a snippet out. If people like it, then it goes out like the next day as a single, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like. <laughs> that's awesome. And I wanted to ask you growing up in Louisiana, talk about gator hunting. Cause I've never actually talked to anyone who's done that. What is that like when you're actually in it? How exhilarating is that activity? It is, it's an adrenaline pump that you, like, you can't get from anything else. Uh, so there's only a certain way you can do it. And, and it's like once a year, I think. And you have to get licenses, special licenses and stuff. Uh, I was a helper during it. I couldn't, like, get it and do what needs to be done because I didn't have the special, like, license to do it but i could help pull it onto the boat and then i could help tag it so the wildlife and fishery agency could verify that it was ours or whatever but the process is you get a string or, or some kind of like uh nylon string or rope or something not a rope string put a hook on it uh and whatever kind of bait is the best to use whoever um is purchasing the bait and you bring it <laughs> put it on there. Uh, you wait a few hours or whatever next day. And then you come back <clears throat> to it. And usually there's a gator on it. And then whoever has that special license, they can do what needs to be done. And you just bring it back because they get overpopulated some parts of the year. And they right. have to be, um, you know what I mean? Like they have to be like called almost. cleared out, cleared out. Right. So yeah. It doesn't overpopulate and cause problems because they become a nuisance if it gets too many. Right. And you had a close call at one point. Well, I imagine their close call is every time you pull one into the boat, but talk about the closest call that you ever had. 
Well, one time I went gator hunting uh, with my brother, and um, <laughs> we were going down the river. We had we had like a few gators in the in the boat, and you know how reptiles um, and a lot of other things. Like, I don't know if I'm correct, probably not, but reptiles <laughs> apparently their their nerves still work pretty pretty good mm, right <laughs> when they're not uh, alive anymore and um this this gator one of its tail just went it just whipped real quick it almost got me almost got my leg but other than that it's all good they don't they don't mess with you they don't really mess with you that much right it's got to be a normal thing growing up in the swamp i'd imagine yeah it's normal like they'll wind up coming into your yard, coming into your pond, whatever, you know, uh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Now that we have that stuff out of the way on the music made me podcast, I love to find out how music has made a person throughout their life. And so the one thing I want to address first of all is the Elvis Presley glamour shots the story behind that, I know Elvis was a big influence for you. And so talk about that. It looked like you were about four years old when that happened. And I believe maybe it was Halloween, but how did you get those glamour shots done? Well, I can't remember exactly because I was a little kid, but I do remember my mom getting me that costume and outfit. I loved it. I wore it around. I walked in the store and uh, the stores, they would play along and they'd be like, Elvis has left the building, Elvis has left the building kind of thing. And I was just so, uh, I was so like fascinated by that. And I, I, we went to Walmart and we went to one of those like, uh, like photo booth things that Walmart used to have. I don't know okay. They, and they, just, they just took some pictures and yeah. Oh man. And so what influence did Elvis have on you? Cause I know that it was sort of the fifties to seventies rock that you kind of grew up on. Right. Yeah. Well, when I was like a little kid, me and my mom were going down the road, a radio came on. And it was Elvis. It was heartbreaker tell. I was like, mom, who is that? That's Elvis. I was like, who's Elvis? And then she told me about him and then I was just really curious. So I asked if I could get a guitar for Christmas. 2006 I got my first guitar uh, and I started exploring like the the classic rock and, and rock and roll and blues artists like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix and Lightning Hopkins and all them like Muddy Waters I mean all the all the greatest guitar players Prince I mean I, I got my first guitar I started playing guitar in 2007 and then I mean, Elvis has just been an inspiration for me since then. So. And I just have to, just so people know what the noise is behind you, is there someone sound checking right now? Oh, so Chris Bandy is playing right now. Oh, nice. I actually talked to him earlier, earlier this week, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. He's <laughs> uh, playing and I'm next. And then it's Matt Stale and then it's Jimmy Allen. That's awesome, man. That is so cool. That's awesome. So what about your parents? Were they musical in any way? Did, did they inspire you growing up or were they just sort of the parents who listened to it and you were inspired in that way by hearing it? Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they didn't, they don't have no musical background at all. Uh, but 
yeah, they were just there. They were very supportive and, and very, very optimistic for me. And that's where I get my optimism now. I just look at everything more optimistic. And so were your grandparents musical? Because they could say it can skip a generation sometimes. But I mean, both you and your brother are musical. So are you just cut from a different cloth than like the rest of your family? You know, I mean, some people have that talent and they never discover it. You know what I mean? Because they never attempted it because they thought, no, I can't do that. You know what I mean? So I don't know where it was in my family. But my mom did say that her dad, he he was from uh, Ohio or something like that. I never met him. He 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 passed away in like 1990 something. Oh, okay. And, uh, he was in the military, but my mom said he could sing John Conley real good. So I might have got it from him. He had a deep, deep voice. And your grandma, your mom's mom, she is from Korea. And yes. so being from Louisiana, that was obviously a huge influence. But did that Asian heritage have any uh, any sort of influence on you growing up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, my my mom's mom, she always stayed with us when when she came uh, and visited uh, from like Beauregard uh, Parish, Louisiana, like DeRitter. It's more North Louisiana, but oh, okay. uh, she'd come down, she'd stay with us, she'd cook big meals like uh, bagogi, kimchi, uh, rice and soy sauce kimchi pancakes, kimchi soup, all kinds of stuff. I loved it. The food that she cooked definitely influenced my uh, my stomach line. <laughs> I saw a video on your Instagram. You were singing with a little girl who had found your song. And I wanted to talk to you about just at this point in your career, what you want to do to help influence that younger generation within your Asian heritage and, and show the younger generation that this is possible, especially in the country music genre. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to carry myself the way that I was, I was raised and uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to set a great example. And I, I'm just, I, I don't have trouble doing that because like I'm grounded my like I I have a great support for my family and friends and stuff and I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing I'm not gonna give up and I'm always gonna uh, do the best that I can to to show all the young people that they can do anything they want that if they dream of it they can do it nothing's impossible and you definitely exemplify that and talk about when you got your first guitar at six or seven and did it feel natural? Was it something that right away you thought, oh, this is cool. I want to do this. Or did that take some time to build up within you? It was weird, you know, like I got my first guitar and I meant, I remember little bits and pieces of from six years old to about 13. And when I first started, like when YouTube was like the old uh, TV icon and stuff <laughs> on an iPhone like 2G or 3GS or something like that, uh, I would watch Stevie Ray Vaughan. I had I had this little bitty amp, 
And I would play that guitar. I didn't take lessons for the first couple of years of having the guitar. But I would put the phone up on the, like the diner table or the ottoman in the living room. And I would just set it up right there, plug in my guitar, play it extremely loud. And I would break the strings all the time. Oh, really? All the time. And then uh, I started taking lessons. But I learned pretty, pretty fast things because with music, things are patterns and muscle memory. To me, right. it is. Because I don't know how to read sheet music and all that stuff. Uh, I'm going to eventually learn how to do it. But, but I, I took lessons from about seven and a half to uh, around 13 years old. And uh, from then on, I can just figure out just on my own because I knew it sort of. So I could just go off of that, you know. And when you were about nine or 10, I saw a video on your Instagram of you playing Smoke on the Water with your cousin on the drums. Yeah. And I know that you and him and your brother started a band when you were about 14. And yep. so what influence did they have in sort of guiding you into that and guiding you into wanting to play the guitar more? Well, if it wouldn't have been for them, I wouldn't have been able to get in those bars and get into those places you had to be over 18 or 21. Uh, I mean, it was me, my brother, uh, my cousin, and uh, my buddy from Port Allen, Louisiana. And we played music in bars, restaurants, festivals, fairs, all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't serious. It was just like maybe once a month or once every other month or something like that. And I didn't start singing until like a year after the band started that we had. And it's just, I mean, it's crazy to, to look back on all that and, and, and see that I did all, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. I don't know. And what age were you when you started to try and find your voice? I know you would go into the woods, deep into the woods to sing to yourself because you were too afraid to sing any to anyone and you were too shy. So what age was that where you started to do that and try and find that voice? Well, I was about 13, 14, maybe. I'm 20 now. So how many years? I don't tell me. I don't want to know. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. And what was that experience like? Like, what was it like for you out in the woods, just, you know, singing at the top of your lungs? What did that do for you? It just opened up my confidence a little bit. But I'm still working on that. I'm still working on the confidence thing. I don't. I'm like a really, really like uh, introverted person. And for me to be outgoing, it's really tough. I'm trying to come out, like sing out, you know what I mean? And not hesitate. Right. Uh, but I'm introverted. So it's hard to add a little bit of the extrovert to my stage, but it, it's getting better. You know? It was, it was fun singing to the squirrels. <laughs> and when did your brother get involved and help you? kind of find f find that voice a little more so that you were comfortable within the band that you had singing on stage? Well, he just kept telling me to sing and I seen him progress with his voice and uh, his singing. And I was, I was just trying to, I was striving to be like him. It's what it was like, you know? And uh, I just started uh, 
improving, improving, because I kept practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And in 2018 was the first time you hit the studio. When did your writing start? It must have been before that if you were going into the studio to record stuff. So when did the writing side of things start for you? I think the writing stuff started in like 2000, late 2017. Um, and then Miss Jamie O'Neill, uh, so this is a crazy story. <laughs> so I had this Bayou Country, I mean Bayou Country like talent show thing down the road about 20 minutes from my house. And the judges there, <laughs> it was like in a gym, but it was like a school gym. And we were on the stage and I won second runner up or something. And then I got to be able to go to Nashville and, and write with some people and and get Miss Jamie O'Neill to produce my stuff. And <laughs> it's just a crazy story. That's how I wrote Louisiana Lady in the Bayou uh, with some people that Miss Jamie O'Neill knew and then a few months after that, we cut it and then released it. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. It's, it's just crazy. So going into that talent competition, what was it that sort of clicked in you that made you want to get up on that stage and sing in front of people? I was terrified. I was scared to death. I was scared to death to get up on that stage. And I don't know what was going on with me. I just, I just kept singing and singing I just kept I just kept doing it you know what I mean I, I didn't give up I didn't let nothing discourage me I just did what I did what I do <laughs> I did what I love to do yeah. and so you go from a little talent competition like that and you head over to Idol to try out for that in 2018 now that's an even bigger jump what was your feeling when you thought I should try out for this like that must have just scared the pants right off of you. Things were accelerating fast. Like things accelerated very, very quickly. I didn't expect like that. My mom, okay, I was a junior at high school. My end of my first semester of high school, my mom's like, hey, uh, do you want to try out for American Idol? I was like, I don't know, mom. That's a little. That's a little much. So, um, went inside, walked in the house, ate me some food. <laughs> I walked back outside. I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it." So she said, "All right. So we gotta go to New Orleans this day. This day. Blah blah blah. Do this." Like, okay. And we went there. It was a long day. Got there okay. really early in the morning, like six a.m. Stayed there till like one a.m. The next morning, because I made it through like to Hollywood. So after that, I had to sign all these papers and stuff and uh, do these questionnaires. What is that process like in going there and not making it? And then you come out of that and it feels like you can go two ways. You can say, I didn't make it you know, I'm not going to be a musician anymore, or I didn't make it. So what? All of a sudden, this is what I want to do with my life. So I'm going to really hit the ground and do what I can to make this my career. And that's what you did, right? Like that next year in 2018 was just a crazy year for you. You went and 
went down to Nashville. Um, you opened, you performed at CMA Fest. You opened for a bunch of different artists. What was that year like? And especially coming off of Idol, were you focused on, I want this to be my career now? Yeah. Uh, after Idol, you know, I was a little, a little bit, I was a little bit like tore up for like 10 minutes. <laughs> like 10 minutes and I was like you know what you know what I did it you know I, I got I got myself to go up there and stand on that stage when I know I don't have the confidence to do that and I made it to here now I'm flying back home and I'm gonna keep doing music like I did before when you look back on your performances during that first stint with Idol now now that you've developed so much, what do you think when you look back at those performances? I, I know. <laughs> I just, I, um, I don't like hearing myself much when I, when I listen to myself. And I, when I look back on that, I, I just see how much progress I've done myself, like for myself and how much I've grown like mentally stronger in some parts and you know what I mean but yeah. it's just crazy how much how much my voice has um, progressed to me and your performance on stage right <sighs> still working on that but it's definitely better than what it was working on it though yeah and so in January of 2019, you went into uh, Dark Horse Studios to record. And right after that, you teased a new song, Burning Gas. So did you have a full album ready to go that you were recording? Uh, I didn't have a full album. It was like more of a, it was more of a couple songs, like an EP sort of. Oh, okay. But I was, I was kind of like iffy on releasing them just yet because I was just like someone just told me not to do it yet and I was just like you know what I'm gonna wait wait a second wait a little bit I'm gonna keep I'm gonna put that to the side for a little bit I'm gonna go home get some me time go hang out with my buddies go on the river stuff like that that whole summer was amazing I got to spend a lot of time at home and then hey Lane if you want to come play guitar for me I was like yeah, I'd love it. I'd love to go see everybody again. And she's like, all right, well, be at my house next weekend. We're going to go over some songs and stuff. I said, all right. Because I, I, I gave her some a few tips and pointers and, on what to do and stuff. And we flew to Idaho. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what was that like when you got the encouragement? from the judges and, and from the people that you had known before who said, you know, go for it. Like at that moment, did it spark something within your confidence at all? I think when the judges like uh, were flashing the ticket at me and Lionel was flashing the ticket and stuff. And then they asked me why I wouldn't do it. And that's when I thought, I'm not going to go anywhere if I get comfortable. You got to be uncomfortable. So that's what I was thinking to myself. Like, you know what? I'm not comfortable doing this, but I'm going to do it. Grab that ticket, walk out the door. 
And then what was that whole process like for that second time around? Because you make it so much farther, you win. But in the recording of the show and what it's like, like how long are you sitting on the information when you know you're making it to the next round? How long do you have to wait to put that out there? And was that difficult to continually go through that process week after week and not be able to say anything? It was just, it's just like a lot of, a lot of built up, just built up anxiety, <laughs> but it's good. It's good anxiety. It's like, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, you're like, you want to say something, but nothing can come out. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just like so much information at once in a short amount of time that you don't really you don't understand it at, like when it's happening, but, but you do it anyway. Uh, and then when you get time to process it uh, a few months after the show's over or whatever, you start saying, Oh wow, that's why, Oh, this is what I'm doing now. Okay. I get it. Oh, that's what that was for. You know? Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Were you able to enjoy the experience or was it just so crazy the whole time? Just, you know, having to go through all that. Do you get to the end and kind of take a breath and think what just happened? It was like, I seen a TikTok the other day. <laughs> TikTok. And this guy was sitting in his truck, in his car and it said something about like, about getting some kind of information a lot of information at once. And it's like, somebody opens the door. No, rolls down the window. He rolls down the window. Somebody slaps him in the face, rolls the window back up. And he gets there, he's like, what's just happening? <laughs> you know, that's that's what happened. Like, I was, I was on the show, got the ticket. And then all of a sudden, I was in a plane going to New York, being Ryan and Kelly and Good Morning America. So it was just like a, there's a space in between that I don't remember much of. And as an introvert, like when you won and all of a sudden it's just this boof right at you, you're doing all these shows, you're going here, you're going there. Like, was it overwhelming for you or were you just kind of along for the ride? I was just rolling with the flow, you know, it was overwhelming. But when that overwhelming emotion came at me, I was like, whew. I was just like, just go with it. Just go with it. You know what I mean? Like, just roll with the flow. Don't fight back. Nothing. Don't, don't, don't go, go the opposite way. Right. And when you had your first headlining tour, what was it like going home for that first show and being able to play there, you know, with all that had happened and all that you had become throughout that process? It was crazy. It was a crazy day. It was like a lot of people. It was very exciting and it just felt really nice to be back home and, and play shows, you know. And so that happens. And I saw on your Instagram, all of a sudden you're writing in Nashville with like Rhett Aikens, Ben Hayslip, Corey Crowder, Jordan Minton. Like, what is that like? All of a sudden you're writing with some of the best songwriters in Nashville. I didn't feel like I deserved that, you know? So it just felt really 
it was it was so amazing. Like the the opportunity was great. I loved the opportunity, and uh, being able to write with those like songwriters, it was just it was. I learned a lot. I learned so much, a lot, and I, I made a lot of friends, and I, I I still talk to a bunch of them, and uh, I was I'm very thankful for that opportunity. And what was it like going through 2019 and the first part of 2020 after you won? There was a stretch there where I know you were wanting to release music, but nothing was coming. And then finally in 2020, you're able to put some stuff out. But was there just stuff, you know, once you win and you sign a deal, is there steps you have to go through? to be able to put out that music? Did you learn stuff in the process? And it's not just jump in the studio and put out music. There's, you know, hoops you have to jump through in order to put that out. Me and the label and my management team, we were all just conversating and we were just trying to figure out a plan. And I'm kind of glad now that we didn't release a lot of music right before COVID. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it took us a little while to figure out because we had to find a producer uh, and figure out what songs we were going to do. And then <clears throat> I just, I just want to like take, take it. I don't want to like go all out at once. You know what I mean? Yeah, for I sure. Be, like take it slow, enjoy every moment. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, the, the label's great. I love the label. Uh, everybody at the label is very cool. Uh, Disney's awesome. I mean, it, it's it's been great. Like they they're just awesome. So, and were you prepared for the amount of work? Did you know that when you won, it wasn't necessarily a golden ticket to success. It was sort of an introduction to people, and now you have to kind of take that and run with it and work hard to be successful. You can't just sit back and kind of rest on that win. Did you know? the work you were going to have to put in from there right away? Yeah, I realized that from the beginning of it. Uh, it, it, just, it don't just get handed to you. You gotta, you gotta, it's a lot. Like you get this, you get the platform and then you have to, you have to maintain all of that. Then you have to keep it at a constant straight line. Like you have to, you have to keep going. You have to work hard and prove it. Right. And you just released Memorize You. That came off of last year. Most songs were about growing up in Louisiana, um, about your experience and your life. And now you have this song that's more of the summer love sort of song. So was it important for you? to have that diversity and not necessarily come back with another song about where you grew up and your hometown and that sort of thing? I wanted to show my fans and everybody that listens to my music, where I came from, who I am, what I do, who I'm, who my family is, what my, what we do down there. You know what I mean? And I wanted to like establish like a home base. I'm grounded my roots. Right. And, uh, we're just going to, I'm always going to keep that with me, you know, and home's always going to stay with me. And uh, being able to release this summer love kind of fun song for the beach or whatever, it's just really fresh and, and really cool. It's rewarding. 
Right. And what do we have on the horizon? Is there an album summer fall release that we can expect? No. Absolutely not, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And what has it been like in writing for an album? I don't know if it's an EP or an album, but what has it been like since it's been so long since you've actually like written for a, a full album, you last year it was more the singles. So has it been an interesting process? It has. Um, Michael Knox is a great producer. He's a great guy. He's down to earth. He's a great, great dude. And we work together very well. And uh, these songs, I'm, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to show everybody these songs. I'm really excited about them. 